Hello and welcome to another episode of The Football Faithful. The Premier League is back and so, as usual, we're here to talk about it. My name's Sam Steen and once again I'm joined by Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Carl Williams there as well. Hi, Carl. How are we doing, guys? And we've got Danny Ward. Hi, Danny. Boys, how's it going? And making his pod debut from the Nostalgia Ultras podcast, Stephen McGovern. Hi, Stephen. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good to have you. Right, uh, as usual, we start with the moment of the weekend. So, Peter, what was your moment of the weekend? Yeah, I'm kind of, I kind of have two here, but they're from the same game, so I'm just going to throw them in. Uh, the first one has to be uh, Chris Mullen morphing into uh, Marco Van Basten, <laughs> taking the ball down his chest and swiveling and volleying it into the roof of the net. If you had to tell, if you had to ask me to pick the Man United player that would do that, I probably would have put David De Gea above Chris Mullen. He's that much of a donkey. So to see him doing that was just... And I have ridiculed Chris Mullen repeatedly on this pod about how poor a footballer he is. So that's up there. And then the other one from the same game, Martin Keown, who absolutely does my head in. He turned around at one stage during the commentary on BT and said, Marouane Fellaini isn't the most fashionable of players. And it cut to Fellaini, and he was there with a big yellow afro and wearing a pink jersey. Not fashionable. I just thought, yeah, there, there you go. Perfect words. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, Carl, what about you? Uh, well, mine, I think, is going to probably feature twice tonight, and that was the Juventus game this weekend and the antics of a certain Mr. Costa. Ah, OK. Yeah, I see, I see where you're going with this. And uh, An unbelievable individual performance there I thought uh, I'm sure we'll get onto it a little bit more later because I'm sure he's going to crop up in another part of our show probably well uh, don't give it away and you can explain it all later yeah, Dan- Danny exactly. what about you um, I'm going to go with uh, Yarmolenko's double um, we spoke there a couple of weeks ago uh, I think I I think I did the West Ham game uh, so I'll do a bit of trumpet blowing I said I thought West Ham would get a win somewhere that no one thought they'd get a win and, and uh, it was nice to see one of their uh, big money signings come in and do the damage and I thought yesterday Yarmolenko was uh, on a different level than anyone else in the pitch two cracking finishes and uh, always nice to get one over the toffee so that was uh, the, the second goal anyway especially was uh, just a lovely cut inside lovely finish and he, he could be the difference uh, if he can keep that sort of form up he could be the difference for West Ham uh, climbing up the table so that was the moment of the weekend for me <laughs> yeah forget about West Ham nice moment for you because you were right good uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, much, yeah. <laughs> and Stephen what about yourself oh it had to be uh, Olga and Vera at the Etihad Stadium they were the uh, mascots <laughs> that came out with the Man City team and they're uh, one of them is 102 and the other one is 98 and I just thought that was such a nice moment like they just had these two elderly women come out to be they the mascot quick as a whip though huh? you, yeah interviewed like jesus like. you would though wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> there's a picture of kyle walker supposedly checking around on the way out like imagine being like the two of them going do you know the way if you support a team that's not doing well and you go ah oh, maybe next year maybe next year they were like 95 by the time <laughs> doing well. yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, let's get on with the actual football then. We'll start with Tottenham 1, Liverpool 2. Danny, well, you're the Liverpool fan and you got the win. Got to be happy with that. I mean, that was possibly their best performance of the season so far, even if Spurs weren't really up to it. Yeah, there's always there's always kind of two edges to the sword, I suppose. Sometimes you look at it and say, we're. I remember we, we did uh, Liverpool against Arsenal last year and Liverpool were very good, but Arsenal were very poor. So you don't know how much you can gauge from a game like that. Uh, I thought Spurs were really poor, really leggy. They got a bit outspursed by Liverpool, work rate-wise, midfield. 
Uh, Liverpool just dominated, I thought, all over the pitch. But again, it's, I don't think Tottenham were on, 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 on song and I don't think Liverpool will read too much into it. And it, it, it was a great win, don't get me wrong. Liverpool's midfield totally bossed the game. Genie Wijnaldum has been reborn uh, from a player, I thought, uh, that I'd say a lot of Liverpool fans thought that, uh, yeah, he's probably the one to make way uh, in the summer with Keita coming in, Fabinho coming in. Fabinho can't get a look in at the moment. Uh, Liverpool's captain, Jordan Henderson, on the bench. and they, they were both seen as the holding midfield options. And whatever Klopp has done to Gini Wijnaldum has just... He's brought him to another level because he was... When he was signed, he was kind of signed as a winger come kind of inside forward. Then he was playing in one of the three positions in, in the midfield, maybe on the right-hand side. And his ball retention was always really, really good. In a tight space, he was the sort of player that when you were under the cosh, under a bit of pressure, he was the player you wanted on the ball because he could wriggle out of positions and keep just keep the move and keep the ball ticking over nicely. He's just turned into... He looks like he's been playing there all his life. Uh, James Milner is playing better than I've ever seen him play. Uh, there's obviously something in the fucking Ribena. I'm not sure what it is, but he's he's absolutely flying. Uh, and Naby Keita um, hasn't hasn't done as well as I as I kind of predicted or, or thought he would do. But uh, you can see the energy and dy- uh, dynamism. Dynamism. Uh, Peter, go on. Peter, what is it? Diminism? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably better than my effort, but uh, yeah, you, you can see what he brings to the side anyway. The, the positive thing to take from Liverpool at the moment is the front three, they haven't clicked yet. Their looks to me, I've said it to a few people recently, their looks to me like the likes of Mane and Salah. It's like they've got a bet on. They've put a hundred yeah. grand, grand bet on who scores more this season. And it's affecting their decision making. Now I'm not saying that's the case, but they're picking the wrong options. Whereas last year, the front three didn't look like they gave a shit who scored. They were always going to pick the right option, and if it was a tap in, we'll give it to someone else that's got an easier tap in. They just look like they're picking the wrong options at the moment. So Klopp, I think, needs to have a word with with uh, with those two. I don't think Firmino will be. I don't think he's cut from the same cloth as the two boys, but they need to maybe have a word with. Uh, with uh, Salah and Mane, just about you know picking the right option. It's a t- it's a team sport, as we all know. Um, but when the, when those three click into gear, Liverpool Liverpool could be pretty frightening. And I do see someone maybe Southampton at the weekend. I see someone getting a spanking very soon. The work rate in midfield, the defense is. Ne- has, uh, I can't remember the last time the defense looked this good. Maybe Rafa Benitez's days. Van Dijk, as we said, is his shaft. And Joe Gomez, I don't know if anyone saw the tackle he put in and Lucas Moura and the ground he made up on Lucas Moura, who's lightning as well. Uh, it was one of the highlights of the game for me. Robertson and uh, Trent Alexander and Allison again, you know, didn't have much, doesn't have much to do, but he just looks like a big presence there. He just looks like he exudes confidence and uh, that seems to just transmit itself to the rest of the team. So, uh, yeah, long may I continue. Not, Liverpool weren't at their free-flowing best, attacking-wise, but uh, against a really good Tottenham side who weren't at their best, Liverpool, I thought, bossed it from start to finish. And 4 or 5 one wouldn't have flattered Liverpool in the slightest. Danny, I just kind of have a question for you about Salah, though, because I've seen that he's missing a, a few chances this season, that second half of last season were flying into the net. And I saw a few people talking about it online, and I was thinking to myself, do you remember the first half of last season? I think even, you know, you would have agreed as well, even as a Liverpool fan, that he, he was doing well, he was scoring loads of goals, but he just didn't look like a natural finisher. You remember a lot of people were saying that. 
last season was basically the outlier in his whole career because he'd never scored anything. Like he'd never been that prolific or that clinical. And then second half of last season, obviously everything he touched just went in. And when he went through on goal, you just knew it was a goal. Start heading back towards the halfway line. I'm like not saying that he's a one season wonder or anything like that, but do you think maybe he's just at the at his level again now? Uh, no, um, and I never actually. I, I'd say if we if we trawl through all the the podcast last year, I would never have put him down as a natural finisher. I still don't think he's a natural finisher. I didn't think last year <clears throat> he did score a lot of lovely curl finishes, um, you know, in, into the top corner, into the bottom corner. But I never thought he was an instinctual finisher whatsoever. I wouldn't have put him in a Robbie Fowler bracket. I think no, but he starts taking all his chances towards the end of last <clears> season. You know, you did get that extra air of confidence when he was true on goal. De- so. Definitely, but I'd say if you looked at his uh, at his um, conversion rate, it wasn't as good as uh, as other strikers out there. He, the thing is with Salah, he gets himself into so many dangerous positions and he gets so many chances. Last year, he was getting three or four really good chances a game, and he might have been coming out on average with you know nearly a goal a game. It doesn't really bother me that. He's missing chances at the moment because obviously because the team is winning, so it's easy to forego that. But if he keeps getting into those positions, I think he might be suffering a little bit of a lack of confidence. Maybe um, I've listened to Paul Merson just before um, the Liverpool game. We talked oh, about. Oh, don't it. do that, Danny. Don't do that. <clears throat> no, no, Merson's all right. Merson's all right, and no, he's not. Harry. In Mercer's though, he is in my book. He came out with the saying that he looks like a fish up a tree. You know, for me, that's good enough. <laughs> but he was talking about Harry Kane. Everyone's saying, you know, Harry Kane, look at him, he's leggy. He's not. Harry Kane's going through a dip in confidence. And, and Salah might be uh, he might be doing that himself. It's like he's taking that extra touch or he's he's overthinking it and he's, he's obviously not making the right decisions when it comes to passing to teammates. Whereas last year, it was obviously just more intuitive and he was doing things that, you know, he was doing things without thinking about them. Once he keeps getting into the positions, I, I, I wouldn't be too worried as a Liverpool fan. I don't think he'll get the numbers he got last year. Um, but this year, I, th- I think uh, Sadio Mane is the boy for Liverpool. It'll click sooner or later, and I think it'll click in unison, hopefully, with the other two, with Firmino and Salah, or with Mane. And when it does, I think Liverpool are going to be Liverpool are going to be pretty frightening for uh, for a lot of teams in the league. I have a feeling tomorrow uh, against Paris Saint Germain. I put me uh, I put me head in the block. It's probably the two of the three best front threes in Europe going head to head tomorrow. And uh, I think, I think Liverpool's front three will come out on top tomorrow. I think they'll just have too much for uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Well, more on the Champions League later in the week, but uh, we'll go back to this game. And Carl, Spurs could have had a draw with a, a late penalty shout, but that absolutely wouldn't have been a fair result. And it just seemed everything seemed to go wrong for them. Yeah, I mean, as you say, um, Sam, to be honest, we were fortunate enough that by the time Lamella puts his opportunity away and Son should obviously get given a penalty. We could have been about six behind at that point. So it, it would have flattered us if we got a draw. And obviously that would have been sweet if that penalty had been given and we managed to come away with that point. But we didn't deserve it. Um, it was a worrying performance because, yeah, it, it, we look really leggy. You know, you've got players who clearly um, don't look on top of it. I mean, you know... I, I had a quite a while when Eriksson first joined Spurs where I didn't think he was as good as some people did because, in my opinion, he wasn't consistent enough. It looked like he'd kind of solved that over the last season or so. 
Um, but he really hasn't shown up this season so far, to be honest. You certainly don't get the same player that seems to pull on a Denmark shirt, as you boys know. Um, yeah, thanks for that, man. <laughs> but no, he's looking leggy. He doesn't look at it. Kane, I also feel Kane isn't getting the right service, to be honest, at the moment. You know, it's very hard. He's not really feeding off of great opportunities where you can see him missing, pulling shots left, you know, in post, not sticking them away. But he doesn't seem to be getting into those positions either, does he? I read a stat where... No, I will admit. I read yeah, a stat right. where in this game last year, and obviously, you know, it's not the same game or anything like that, but in, in the game against Liverpool last year, he did, I think he completed 42 sprints or something like that compared to seven in the game at the weekend. You know, it's his... When it's hard to sprint when you're in Virgil van Dijk's pocket, though. He was owned by Virgil van Dijk. You didn't see him in the game. Weekend, and he, he doesn't look on it at all, to be honest. Even, you know, There's something not right now. Whether that is he just rushed himself back last year, because I think he wasn't fit. He came back trying to hunt that golden boot off Salah, and he probably could have had someone who actually was wise enough to say to him, look, mate, you can't come back this quick, you know, just give it up this year. It's not yours. Take the rest you need. He didn't. He wanted to come back and try and win the golden boot. That didn't work out for him. The World Cup, he looked the same as he is now, where you could see he wasn't getting about the pitches he should do. And unfortunately for us, you know, Larissa out, Ali out, too many big players, unfortunately. And as we all know, we don't have the squad that can step in and fill those positions adequately when they are out. Um, and Vaughan, the goalkeeper, well, every time he gets a game, he seems to cost us um, a goal. So you can just hope that from now on, maybe Gazaniga gets a look in because he played one game and won us the game against Palace at Wembley. Um, so I think Poch needs to make a change there. Um, but then also, you know, do you look tactically? Well, I think we were quite naive. You know, when you're pushing your fullback so high up the pitch, um, leaving yourself exposed to the pace of Salah and Mane, then you are inviting trouble. And I think, you know, Gary Neville said it all throughout yeah, the commentary yeah. Just where say he kept it, yeah. saying, you know, I'd be, you know, you've got to look at these big open spaces that Spurs are going to, you know, allow in Salah and Mane. And you're going to have to expect to get punished if you leave those guys the sort of room we were doing. And I wonder if that's, again, Poch tactically could just say, listen, you're going to have to sit for one game. You know, because right now that that's just get out of here. If we, if we are, if we've got players who are not feeling great and not at the peak of their performance, then let's not go silly. Because yeah, we get caught out here. You know, you might be able to do that against certain teams this year. You know, if you had a Cardiff at home or someone like that, you may not get caught out even if you leave that space. But against the team that, in my opinion, will push City closest. You certainly can't afford to give those players that sort of freedom and that much space to run into. And well, Carl, the I crazy think... thing was that it didn't change. It stayed the same no, for the 90 minutes. Exactly. That's what was the worrying part yeah, for me. It got worse in the second half. It, 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 it's, it's like if like if you just, like we all know how Liverpool play. There's no real secret to it. Like they press from the front yeah. and they, they, you know, they leave their attackers um kind of to use a Gary Neville quote, in cheating positions a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's like you had a drawn-up a blueprint of how not to play against Liverpool. Yeah. That's what Spurs did. Yeah. And it never changed, which was no. the worrying part. Like. No. Yeah, Gary Neville did say, didn't he? He said, like, today, we talk about trip here, we talk about Rose. Today, lads, you're just going to be full-backs. Yeah. Maybe they're yeah. under orders, yeah. though. Because the Liverpool yeah, I know. full-backs I, I know. full-backs now. Yeah, I know. But like, you have to know who you're up against. And how Pochettino... 
hasn't just said, all right, lads, you just can have a day off. Not, I don't want to see you past the halfway line today. Keep it tight. Let's not concede anything. And we'll see if we can nick something. And then if you start taking command of the game, then you might start being a little bit more adventurous. But I think, yeah, against Liverpool, that, that was a recipe for disaster. And as you say, the worrying thing there was Potch at no point suddenly thought, oh, hold on. Yeah, we're getting caught here and we've been lucky. Let's change this. And it's one thing that's still always aimed at Potch, unfortunately, is can he react and does he react in the right way when he can see something isn't working and he does have a tendency to kind of stick with his plan and trust his players and I think sometimes that that comes back to haunt him because that trust shown just wasn't working and we could all see it we knew it wasn't going to be a good day the minute the game started you know Spurs are one of them sides you can kind of tell the performance you're going to get out of them early on and when Liverpool started the way they did alarm bells started ringing massively for me there uh, and we managed to get a grip, but we were never in control and we never looked like scoring, to be honest. Anyway, Liverpool march on and uh, a bit of a wobble for Spurs, but Chelsea also up there with a 100% record beating uh, Cardiff 4-1 and they looked very impressive, Stephen. Uh, we've said in the past couple of episodes that, well, we started off saying we didn't expect Chelsea to uh, to challenge for the title and then we kind of thought, well, oh, actually, these guys are putting together a decent little run here, quite a good start to the season, and now maybe we should be actually considering them as title contenders. Yeah, I mean, if there's, there is a universe out there, I think, where Chelsea could win the title this season. I don't think their chances are as good as, say, City or even Liverpool, if I if I may throw that out there. But I think if, if all the chips fall in the right place, I mean, they'll be at the right end of the table uh, come May. But I think the thing is, is that we haven't seen them truly challenged yet. You know, they've had some pretty you know, decent fixtures so far. And I don't think we've seen enough of them yet to see how far down the stretch they'll go. I think once teams see more of them, they'll, they'll figure them out because I think they've, they've gelled together quite quickly. Uh, Chelsea, I've always found, are quite an adaptable team because you see they've, they've flitted between so many managers down the years. That they kind of it doesn't phase them. They're able to, you know, you bring in a manager who like likes to, you know, park the bus, no problem. You like a manager who likes to go all out attack, no bother. And Sari has come in and he's he's brought in a, new, a totally different uh, kind of style of play to Conte, and it really hasn't been a bother to them. But I think, I think if they if they keep you know this kind of style of play uh, going and they and they're able to get even better. I don't see why they can't be in contention at the very least come, you know, March or April. And it helps when you've got Eden Hazard in your side as well, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think the thing that has wrecked my head about Eden Hazard the last few years is just he's just been wildly inconsistent. So, I mean, like, he seemed to be getting better and better with, uh, you know, every year uh, winning Young Player of the Year and following up with Player of the Year in France and then doing the same thing in England and then just goes off the map and then he'll have a game where... He's just incredible and looks like the best player on earth. And then the next week is dog shit. And he just drives you mental because you just know that this guy could be, you know, unbelievable on any given day. But he just doesn't seem to show up sometimes. And I think this is going to be one of those seasons where he absolutely uh, tears everyone a new arsehole because he's just he, he just looks on fire and he looks uh, settled he looks happy he looks happy to be at Chelsea and uh, he doesn't seem to be distracted he's just 
focused really on on being the best player that he can be and and honestly with the the tools around him i think they look brilliant because they've i think uh the trans their transfer business has fallen together really nicely they've had a couple of really shocking years in the transfer market and i think they've finally gotten their shit together uh in that regard and i think uh if you know provided everyone stays fit they're going to be just such a scary team to play. Uh, Peter, he didn't get in the score sheet, but you were very impressed by uh, Giroud, I saw. Yeah, well, I just think um, I think Hazard came out after the game as well and said how much he loves to play with him. Um, he's obviously, I think he's much better than, than Morata. Um, I'd say he, for players like Hazard and even midfielders, he, he must be great to play with because like you must think all I do would need to do is knock it in his direction here and he'll give it back to me or he'll hold on to it. He's one of the best players at playing them kind of little wall passes, you know, the little flicks and tricks into either back to somebody or even he's good. He's great vision as well for little flicks for players to run beyond them. So, um, you know, I'd say the other players, I'd say, you know, I think Hazard pretty much said it, um, they would prefer to be playing with Giroud. I know some people look at him think he doesn't have pace or whatever, but he's ideal for, for a team that has kind of pacey wide men like Hazard and William and, uh, and Costa. Now, Hazard, William and Pedro, sorry. So, yeah, no, and I, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd agree with Steve for, uh, quite a bit. Like, I think... With Chelsea, when they played Arsenal, they kind of... Do you remember Arsenal could have... Do you remember they kept getting to the byline and cutting the ball back and they mm-hmm. missed four or five chances in a row? Um, like, I think Chelsea are a bit ropey defensively. But you see, the thing is, they've got... They had, like, they got over the line in that game and they've had pretty, like, a really uh, easy first five games, you'd have to say. But now they have the five wins. Confidence is up. If he can keep working away, gradually improving the defence, it's all... Like, they, they, they have the points on the board, so... I'd still probably, you know, I still think they might get found out against, you know, other top six sides. But I think with Hazard in top form, they'll be brilliant at putting away all the teams outside the top six. And if you can do that, you won't be far away from winning the league, you know. Um, so personally, I, I would say it's probably uh, still between my two favourites would be Liverpool and Man City. But uh, Chelsea, it def- it de- that lo- it's shaping up for a top three anyway for me. And then the other boy, you know, the, the Spurs, the Uniteds, and uh, Spurs and United, it should be called p- top five now, lads. Arsenal don't serve to me in there. Um, you know, it's Spurs and United fighting for for fourth place, it looks like to me at the moment. Um, but Giroud, yeah, I, I'd, say he, I'd say he's a player's player, if you know what I mean, Sam. Other lads love to play with him. Fair enough, and uh, we'll speak about Arsenal very shortly. But first, uh, should we do a first round of the quiz, lads? Yeah, let's do it. Yay. Well, we're joined by Steve, who uh, hosts the Nostalgia Ultras podcast, which is a... Well, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, Steve. Yeah, so the idea behind Nostalgia Ultras was kind of... We didn't we didn't want to do a topical podcast such as, as this one, because, you know, it, it Thanks, just... Steve. everyone everyone does No, but everyone does it so much better than, than we could do it. So Good it's save. Like, well, we'll, leave, Good save. we'll leave it up to guys Good like save, football yeah. faithful. Definitely, yeah. definitely. No, but we wanted to kind of do something that you know we could just talk about on any given week we could talk about whatever we wanted from whenever uh, we wanted and so basically it's a show kind of uh based on memory sentimentality we recently our most recent episode was about Taxon Sinawatra uh his whole era at Man City and even though it was only a year it was just incredible it was just a crazy year so we decided fuck it let's let's talk about that like let's Let's find all the funny, hilarious and crazy moments from that season and put them into mm. a podcast. So 
Yeah, it's kind of the tagline is kind of, um, you know, the only rule is it has to be in the past. So literally, we'll we'll just pick any topic from more than five years ago and we'll just have at it, basically. Fair enough. If people want to find that, where do they get it? So they can go on Twitter. We're uh, at uh, Nostalgia Ultra 5. Uh, we're also on Facebook and all the rest. But yeah, you can find us on iTunes and the usual Android podcast apps. Oh, perfect. Well, with that in mind, I have uh, got a quiz that's based all around the top goal scorers from Premier League seasons gone by. So I'm going to name the year. Oh, yeah. And I want you guys to tell me who the top scorer... I want you to tell me who the top scorer in that season was. So, usual thing, you say your name... I'll go to you, and if you're right, then great, you get the point. But if you're wrong, in this, I'm going to knock you out, okay? Because there's so many people playing. Right, yeah, so... I reckon, I reckon lads are already on their phones. They've Googled up probably last, <laughs> 15, last 25 seasons. The year was 1998-99. Cow. Carl. Andy Cow. No. I can tell you there are three players who scored the uh, yeah, same Dan, amount of Danny. goals. Peter, Peter, Danny, Peter, Danny, Peter. Danny, 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 Danny. Uh, I think three, I'm going to say three lads and they all scored 18 and Michael Owen was one of them. That's correct. Very well done. I'll give you the point. Uh, anybody with the other players? No? Dwight York? Dwight York was one, yeah. And the other? Ooh, Leish. No, it was Jimmy, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank for Leeds. Yeah. Leeds for yeah. Leeds, yeah. yeah. All right, now, uh, who was the top scorer in the 06-07 season? Out in his own. Peter. Oh. Peter. Uh, Ronaldo? No. He was third with 17. Um, uh, Robin Van Persie? No, you got to say her name as well, but no. Yeah, oh, yeah we, we would have kicked you out there. Even yeah, that would have been you gone. I can tell yeah. you the second top scorer was Benny McCarthy. Fuck off. Yeah, serious. Was he not well fat by the time he came to England? <laughs> no? no, nobody? <laughs> no, it's Danny. gone. Danny, go Danny, on. Danny. Didier Drogba. It was Didier Drogba. Very well done. Oh. Points, two points. All right, we'll give you one more before we go to the next topic. And it was the very first season, 92-93. Peter. Peter. Alan Shearer. No. Oh. Came fifth. That's funny. Top five, six, all English. Funny, interesting. In fact, yeah. almost all of them. Cantona and Mark Hughes, the only non-English players in the top ten. Cow. Carl. Ferdinand. Nope. No, too early. Can I go again? Yeah, yeah. But we'll wait till everyone's had a go. So that's just you, Steve, I think. Okay. Um, Uh, I'm going to pass because I actually am drawing a blank here. Okay. Danny, are you still in? Yeah, yeah. 92, 93. I'm going to... I'm just going to Google 92. I'm hitting my head. I'm not giving it that, no promise. Um, Five, to think. four, three, three nine, two. Uh, Brian McClare. It wasn't Brian McClare. It was Teddy Sheringham, lads, with 22 yeah, goals. Uh, well, you should have said it then. All right, I'll give you one more. Not as far as and Spurs. He played for both clubs. Uh, all right, we'll give you one more then very quickly. The following season, 93-94. Peter. Peter. Alan No. What? <laughs> Danny. Danny. Um, there was one season. Um, he got twenty-five. 
I'm going to say Matt Latiss. Matt Latiss did score 25, but he wasn't top scorer. Alan Shearer got 31, so it was more than 31 goals this season. Peter, considering the the uh, bonus podcast that we recorded the other day, you got to be getting this one. Oh, it's, it's, uh, oh Danny, don't don't Danny, say Andy, Andy, Danny, you're out as well. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> it's up to you, boys. One of you quickly. <laughs> Carl, Carl, Andy, Andy, Carl. Did you get amazing. that, Carl? That was amazing. Amazing. I'm so Black impressed. Just, just Russ. You know, it was somewhere waiting there in the back of your head. Brilliant, genius. The the year, the I think the year that happened. You know, listen to the radio at three in the morning, two FM. They were doing a, a question: Who was the top scorer in, in the '93-'94 season? I got up out of bed. Um, <laughs> I thought there was no word of a lie. I thought there was a big prize. And I got the, I got it right, and I said, "So what did I win?" He goes, "Ah, oh, nothing. It was just a random question." So I, I was in live on air. I'm going, "I'm after getting out of bed at three in the morning." I'm <laughs> <laughs> I nothing, honestly. I still got the question wrong. Anyway, ah, uh, disgraceful. All right, uh, let's talk about Man United Watford. Uh, United Peter ran out two uh, one winners, and uh, on the balance of it, you'd have to say they deserved it, but they're a bit under the cost at the end. Yeah, no, hundred hundred percent. It was squeaky bum time there for the last the last half. Now I knew in the second half, if it, even you know, once you'd already went two up, if, if Watford got another one, it was it was going to get nervy. You know, the typical kind of away form, and it's a bit reactive at the start, and then the last fifteen twenty minutes, they they were really good in the first half. Pogba was spraying the ball around, like I know everyone get you know used to say about skulls and, and people like that, but he was pinging it from side to side with either foot. And it, when he's in that kind of form, he just looks looks brilliant. Now, the second half, when we needed him to cop on a little bit and, you know, keep it simple, that's when the step-overs and stuff coming in. So we kind of get to see both sides of him. Um, I, I, I think Fellaini coming in has really, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the best position for Pogba and stuff since he came in. But I, I think with Madic and Fellaini there, you know, in, as two kind of two pivot midfielders, they... It gives Pogba an awful lot more freedom, and he's looked much better against Burnley and against Watford. He he's looked much better, and when he has people running off him, you know, even if you are kind of a goal up, he he is very good at picking out picking out uh, runners. So I think United are, are aiming for the top four this season. I think the other teams are, are slightly above them that we talked about earlier: the Liverpool's, the Cities, City, and Chelsea. But um, yeah, it's good, good to get a couple of wins, and they have, kind of have a decent run of games coming up now. Wolves Wolves will be no pushover now. But at Old Trafford, they should be beating them, young boys in the Champions League tomorrow, and then, then Derby. So you know, just kind of get on to a little win and run, just to kind of, just to lighten the mood a bit, because it was it all going very negative there for a while. But yeah, I, I'm not getting too too overly carried away with the performances at the moment, because I, I still think we're kind of just lacking something to to put games away. There was. There's still a lot of immaturity in, in the team, I think. So, um, yeah, it's better than it has been in previous weeks. But, um, yeah, not, not getting too carried away with it, Sam, to be honest. Carl Lukaku, uh, just ahead of the game, was talking about how modern players are soft and unable to handle criticism, which uh, I, I it seems to me like it's sort of backing Mourinho. You know, it's it's kind of rowing in behind Mourinho going, yeah, Mourinho was right to, to dig out some of the players earlier in the season, and now we're kind of getting behind him and behind, you know, just kind of all following into the into the one message at the very least. So, I mean, I guess that's positive, but could it be seen as a dig at some of his teammates? 
you never know how to take comments like that from players, do you? Because I guess it's a bit like everything in football. If you're one of the manager's favourites, then you'll have you won't have a bad word to say about him. If you're not one of the favourites, then you probably would find people who don't have a good word to say about him. You probably find Luke Shaw probably doesn't have much good stuff to say about Jose. You know, he might play the game in front of the press, but you know, if you actually asked him for his real opinions um, outside of a you know, press or privately, you might get different answers. Um, it's strange that a player come out and says that because you kind of feel they're all pretty delicate nowadays, don't you? It'd be interesting to see how Lukaku acts if he does get called out by Mourinho and kind of slated. But yeah, I mean, it's nice to see because it is about time that, yeah, some of these, you know, some players were a little bit hardened and could take some criticism. But I think with that, you just have to take it with the fact that obviously Lukaku is Mourinho's main man. So he probably doesn't have a problem with Jose right now because he knows he plays every week. Yeah, I, Carl, I, I think it, it's because that interview he did, it was with Football Focus. And he says in the same interview that his, his three idols are Thierry Henry, who he works with with Belgium, Nicolas Anelka and Didier Drogba, who he said he talks to every single day. So I would imagine that, you know, Drogba is, you know, one of Mourinho's main lieutenants. So I'd say... Drogba's told Lukaku, like, listen to this fella and yeah. get results. So I'd say that maybe has a little bit behind why he's come out and said it. But he, yeah. he is right. Like they, A lot of them are way too soft. Like, I saw Pogba during the week. Um, supposedly one of the reasons he wanted to leave was because, you know, Mourinho said that he had a great World Cup because he didn't do social media. He stayed away from social media. And he, <laughs> was in a, he was in an environment where every game was, you know, get like gradually building to a higher level instead of, like, you know, playing... Brighton one week, then sport. You know, you know, yeah, he was able. Yeah. to it was all going in a certain way. And Pogba came out during the week and basically said, "Yeah, I didn't get my hair cut during the World Cup. I just took it easy. I just concentrated on my football." But like that's exactly what Mourinho said, and he's dead right. Like so, I yeah, I, I just I, I do think it's it's a uh, it. I do, but modern day footballers are soft. So I, I think he was bang on what he was saying. Like you can't really say anything to them these days. Like I. You know, I, I, you know, Ferguson, the hairdryer, for example, I'd say Brian Clough, these kind of fellas, like we see it in Ireland now with Roy Keane and stuff. These lads are probably, you could probably go to jail for some of the team speeches. Imagine going in, like, taking Ron Atkinson's team speech from 1992 or something. Imagine the reaction to that now. Like, it's Yeah, like, but you can't say that I, it's right either. I mean, you can't be doing no, that No, I'm either. not saying it's right. I'm saying the answer's probably in the middle, but you can't get to a stage where you can't criticise people yeah, either, Sam. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Get that's, that's back. Like, Honestly, John's sitting all the way. That's the way. <laughs> yeah, actually can i ask you a question about that maybe it's a lund maybe it's a london thing Carl. but you know when he says you can bring your fucking dinner like what does that mean uh, and i love oh, that I, too i love it bring your dinner and bring, uh, it's a, like it's like i'll have you i'm sure you might and then i'll have your dinner stuff. after <laughs> I, I must admit i've not heard too many people say that so maybe six is uh Maybe it come out of sits once and everyone thought, oh, actually, don't like the sound of that. It doesn't sound too good when it's on tape. <laughs> he's a word, he's a wordsmith, Smith. He's a, well, he is indeed. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I missed that pod. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, by the way, everyone, if you haven't heard the uh, interview that we did with Sitton, uh, do check it out. It's uh, way back down your feed. Find it. It's uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Steve, can I get a quick word on Watford then? Because they, uh, well, first loss of the season, but they still look good and probably not too much to worry about for them. 
Yeah, probably not. But I mean, I've I've been kind of waiting for the drop off for them because I think they've been scoring some pretty like you know difficult chances and been doing quite well. Uh, I mean, I don't expect them to kind of finish in the top six or seven this season. So I've been waiting for the drop off, but I think I think they'll be fine, and I think they'll actually end up with a pretty pretty good season, all things considered. Uh, the only thing is, is that like last season they had a good start as well and tailed off towards the end. So that would be my only concern. But generally you look at their squad and they just they you know, Pereira looks great. Holobas is on top form and you know, you got Troy Deeney and Andre Gray up front, which I think a lot of other Premier League teams would love to have that forward line. Um so I th- I think I think they're they're still on track to be kind of the surprise package of the season and and uh, maybe push for seventh. Uh, right, let's talk about Arsenal and Newcastle then. Um, Danny, we'll start with you because well, I can just go back through all my old notes for all the previous pods. Uh, Gunners win, but uh, absolute clown show at the back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to surmise an Arsenal game these days and not sound uh, repetitive, repetitive, <laughs> repetitive. Uh, really is, you know. Um, a good free kick, a good free kick, uh, a very lucky second. I thought to Bravka, who I raved about a couple of years or a couple of weeks ago. It yeah, cursed him, Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I wish I had that sort of power, but um, yeah, I thought he if if he'd got uh, if he'd got his wall right, um, and if he'd seen that Nacho Monreal was on the end of uh, on the Newcastle wall, that you know he would have been a little bit more central. He probably would have been able to claw the Jack a free kick away. Um, I just want to bring up something that's just something I thought about or, or had been thinking about just after watching that free kick. Does anyone think it's a good idea to scrap a wall or maybe just have two or three in a wall and just have your six-yard box littered with three or four defenders and maybe someone standing on the line? I think you're giving way too much an advantage to these quality uh, ball strikers. You're basically saying there's two thirds of a goal. If you're good enough to clip it over these people, uh, it's going into the into the net. But yet, if you were if you were there in open possession, um, you wouldn't be that blasé. You'd be out trying to block it. And I I just think I I just think there there's got to be a better way of defending a free kick from 25, 30 yards. Does anyone agree with me? No. Yeah, I agree with that. I think from 30 yeah. yards, certainly. I think 30 yards, I don't think yeah, there's a need for a wall. I don't but think you, you should have a wall at all. Like, even one or okay, two centimetres. Okay, but even, 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 20, even 20, 22, 23, 20, 24 yards. Why? I just I just think if you if you had the ball there, if you as a fan, when you're watching the match and someone has the ball in open play and they have a bit of time and space, you're, you're not that worried as a fan, but when the ref blows the whistle and you get a free kick, you get very excited. But how many free, how many frees go how many frees go in yeah relative to ones that hit the wall I'd say it's a very small percentage. You reckon from that area? I'd say so. Yeah. You know that actually well, you know. Many, well, how many shots from outside the box in open play go in? Would you yeah, say I it's just, less? But see, my Danny, my problem what you're saying is then that then that the other team just throws all like you're playing the other team onside. Then they just go yeah. in after. Yeah, they just wouldn't <laughs> shoot. They just the they just walk in and blasted from the penalty spot. I know, but there's loads of people in the way, which stops the ball going into the net. But if, if they don't blast it and they just lift it over the wall, if they lift, if that ball goes over the, the the heads of the lads in the wall, it's a goal nine times out of ten. Keepers aren't getting over. You know, if 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 it's, if, if it's done right, not nine times out of ten. I don't have any fucking. Okay, but but, but okay, but look, I I think you're just playing the percentages. I imagine it is the best way to do it. You know, I mean the they they don't. 
they don't hit the target nine times out of ten anyway. Maybe five they hit the target. Less, I would Less, imagine. probably. And then the keeper can save it. Uh, it's just, it goes wide, hits the post, hits the wall. You just, I think, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they've done it. I'm sure they've done it. You know. Yeah. yeah. But still, it just looks. It depends anyway, on the. Anyway, you're you're wrong, Danny. You're wrong. Right. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> based on uh, you uh, having nothing to back yourself up with, which is fine. Yeah, I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, Fair enough. But anyway, uh, I thought the keeper could have done a little bit better there, but as well, and um, yeah, Ozil got his first goal since um, I think December. You know, you'd nearly forgotten he was an Arsenal player. Although he gets more press than most uh, most of their players, he's just done so little for them in the last few months that uh, you've forgotten what he's done for the team. And he was nearly one of these players. You just thought, all right, it's time to go to Turkey, or you know, you can just see him going to Galatasaray or Fenerbahce. I just think he's taken too much stick. There's been too much press about him, negative press um, for his work rate, his attitude, his shaking uh, Erdogan's hand, all that sort of stuff. It's over for him at Arsenal. I think Arsenal, it's hard, as I said, to break down the game. Um, they scored two goals. The other the other team scored one. They won. They look shit at the back. Always good going forward. Um, but still soft, soft, soft. And it'll take a while. It'll take at least a year, for I think, for any of us to be getting anyway carried away with Arsenal and where we see them going. So, uh, yeah, very, very hard to get too up for it and excited. But I do really like the manager, and I think he will get it right. And by getting it right, I mean start challenging for the top four again because I think that's their level at the moment. Uh, Peter, Seven half the players might be getting it right, I'd say. Possibly. Uh, new ones in. Yeah, I'd say um, so. But Peter, you said earlier that you didn't think that they that you wouldn't make it the top five anymore. That like they they were just gone out of it. So, do you think that they can challenge for the top four? Or are they just too far back? Um, no, I, I don't think they can. And that's just my you know brutally honest assessment. Ha- having having watched their their game so far, it, like even in the first half against Newcastle, Newcastle were poor, but they're just hand and chances. Like, we've all talked about, you know, it's almost cruel watching Peter Cech struggle there uh, trying to play out from the back. But, like, if you watch a lot of the time as well, and I'm not saying he's playing any way, way, shape or form good on the ball, but a lot of the time the defenders are passing it to his right foot and stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? Just laziness, like putting him under pressure as well. Um, They're just... I think he needs new personnel. I don't think, you know, the likes of Mustafi and Socrates are, are kind of suited the the way the way that Emery lines them up, he bombs his full back forward a little bit bit like Spurs did the other day. So you need two pacey physical centre backs, you know, if, if that's gonna work. And I, I don't think Mustafi and, and Socrates are necessarily that. Um even though they only signed Socrates. Um yeah you have to remember it's got like that team from a mentality point of view, it almost needs to be de Wengerized, if that's even a word, you know. It's unlike any other club in, in in the in the league because they had the same manager for so long. Every single player at the club signed by the same man, pretty much. Not starting Torreira is just a weird one because every week I watch them and they're terrible, and then he comes on and he automatically improves to midfield. So I don't know what's going on there why he isn't signing them, but I just think they give away way too many chances to be taken seriously as you know as challenging for the top four um, I said it last season under Wenger you know they were by far the weakest of them of the top six clubs and we should start calling it a top five and I don't see any reason to change that opinion this year because I actually think that defensively they are worse at the moment and that's not it's it's probably because they're changing this you know it's not all 
Emery's fault. It's that they're changing the system and the players don't look comfortable. But I, I, we talked about it last week. I actually think they're worse defensively than under Wenger, which most people would have said was actually impossible to do, you know. Carl, let's talk about uh, City, the champions. They won 3-0 against Fulham. And, uh, you know, on the face of it, you'd kind of say, well, that's an impressive result. But Pep wasn't too happy about it. No, he's called him in, didn't he? He called him in, apparently, for an extra day's extra day's training because he doesn't feel they're, um, they're putting themselves through it and putting as much in as they should do, um, which is odd, isn't it? Because there's one team that, you know, we all still think they're the favourites for the title. Um, they seem to still kind of stroll through some games and get these easy results. So, yeah, if Pep's not happy, then um, that... That, that doesn't look good for the rest of us because if they start improving more on what they're doing now, then again, you know, they're only going to be hard to catch. So I, I guess it's just everything, isn't it? He doesn't, if he, he maybe doesn't feel the training, the attitude in training's right, the attitude in the games are not right. I suppose that's one of those teams where if they start believing their own height, then suddenly you start to come unstuck and maybe he just wants to nip that in the bud before he sees it coming a problem for them but I don't see too many worries there you know I think it's one of those things Pep will just that's a little pep talk a little G up um, and it'll probably do the wonders that it will for them and they'll carry on getting comfortable results they were never really going to be challenged in that sort of game you know that that kind of isn't the game that even the team you know even the, you know even losing that game is not a problem you know if, if you're a side game to Man City like they were this weekend you know, it's kind of a free hit. You're not expected to come away with anything. And most of those sides won't, to be honest, going to City coming away. So, yeah, just a little G up, I think. Pep, a little bit of mind games with them. Um, but uh, nothing to worry about majorly there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, you know, they've never won the league back to back. And it's definitely something that he really, really, really wants to do. So I imagine it's just sort of cracking the whip, really, and just making sure that they don't get complacent. Um, but it was a good win. Uh, Steve, and I know you're a Fulham fan, and we've spoken a bit about Fulham on the show already, saying that they are they are a very good footballing side, they play football very well, but maybe they need to sort of get a bit of steel behind that. It's all very well playing nice football, but if they're not going to get results, then they're not going to stay up. What do you think? Well, I can tell you this game was just a complete and utter waste of time because it was you know exactly what we thought would happen, and it just happened. But from the off, you know, we had... John Mikel Seri, who's been outrageously good for us so far, you know, just undercooking a pass in the middle of the field. All of a sudden, there's a three-on-one. Oh, Leroy Sanai, I see you've had a, you know, a, a shake in your confidence. You know, your, your confidence has been shaken recently. So here's here's a, a perfect opportunity <laughs> for you to get back into form. You know, and it was just it was just so infuriating. You know, it, the win was gift wrapped by us and. I just feel like you know we didn't even show up like we didn't even give an account of ourselves and honestly like 5-0 would have been a fair enough scoreline for City because I know Sterling hit the post Bernardo Silva missed a sitter I mean it was just so infuriating but I think you definitely we do need a bit of steel it's been the the thing that's kind of held us back for so long is that like we've we've played really nice but our defense has just been really atrocious at times and and we kind of gotten away with it, especially at the tail end of the championship season, because we you know, we keep the ball so well and we you know keep a hold of possession, starving teams at times. But against City, if you, you just you misplace passes like that, you're just fucking goosed, you know. And and again, we came out from the second half immediately, just 
you know, teed up and a g- gorgeous uh, opportunity for Aguero to put in Sterling. And you're just kind of like, what, what are you even doing, lads? I mean, it, we are, unfortunately, at the minute, you know, we're missing Tim Ream um, and Alfie Mawson seems to be having a couple of problems. I mean, once maybe we get them back, we'll be a bit more solid at the back. But um, certainly, like, the, defensively, I, I mean, if anybody, if anybody out there is, you know, a betting person, Definitely. I mean, you get to go for you know, plus two and a half goals or both teams to score because <laughs> it's guaranteed. Like you're going to have, I mean, Fulham are going to be the kind of three goals a game kind of team, you know, either way, essentially, All right, which well, is, I mean, it's, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be fun. <laughs> but, you know, it's not, it, it's definitely not going to be boring following uh, Fulham this season, but it's going to be stressful as fuck for me. Yeah, I can imagine so. Well, speaking of betting, um, well, I think we all have City down as favourites for the uh, Premier League title, but what about the Champions League? I know we'll go into it in more detail in the Premier League show later this week, or sorry, the Champions League show later this week. Um, but just a quick round round the group. Uh, City, favourites for the Champions League, Peter? Um. No, not necessarily. Yeah, I, I can understand why, because I, I, I think maybe a lot of the European giants are, have, you know, there's not as big of a, of a gap there uh, to the Reals, to Barca's, and, and maybe even Juventus and, and Bayern even for sure. But I, I, I don't, you know, Guardiola has a habit of getting pumped in the latter stages of the of the Champions League and City have absolutely zero pedigree in that competition. So I think for them to be favourites... Um, is a bit much, to be perfectly honest. Um, I often wonder, like, is that are they just favourites on Bet three six five? If you click the English option, and then you you know you click the Spanish one, and Barcelona are favourites. I don't know, um, but yeah, I, I don't think Man City should be favourites. They have a great chance, but favourites? No, not really for me. Uh, Danny, what about you? A repeat of last year's final, maybe? Um, yeah, I, again, I'm going to blow me out Trump, and I, I said like this time last year, I fancy Liverpool to go to semi-finals, and I. I Liverpool are seventh favourites uh, to win it after getting to the final last year. Now, the, I know Bucky's love Bayern Munich because they know Bayern will always get the quarters. Juventus have, have improved with um, they've improved with Ronaldo in there, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Liverpool and Man City. I think they're. Uh, I think I really, really think the dawn of um, of domination, uh, English uh, Premier League domination, is. I think it's 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 about to happen. Uh, there's still some really good sides. I never never look past you know Real Madrid, Barcelona. I'm not saying they're finished. Paris Saint Germain. I just think Man City and Liverpool. I think Man City Man, Man City would have gone all the way last year, certainly to the final. They they just ran into uh, t- an inspired Liverpool who had half an hour of cracking game. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with Liverpool and Man City. Uh, t- two favourites for me for sure. Fair enough, Carl. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. You know, I'd kind of say City are up there. Liverpool, you'd fancy again building on from last year. Um, but you wouldn't rule out, I still wouldn't rule out, say, Madrid. And maybe this year with um, Ronaldo there, Juve, you know, I think you could see a good last four there with Madrid, Juve, City and Liverpool. Um, so I would say for me, it's one of those four, I think. Yeah, I think the field is pretty open this season because I don't think Real Madrid are are going to be to the same level. But then again, you never know with uh, Real Madrid. I think a lot of the teams you see them they're they're all kind of a similar level. So I don't know. I still 
I still have a feeling like Atleti could do something this season. Um, yeah. I like the look of Barcelona. Maybe I think they've they just really need to. I think their their goal now is just to go deep in the Champions League because they've been knocked out in the quarters for the last three seasons, which is a bit outrageous for them. But I think Atleti, Barca, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool are there. Um, honestly, I can't really make up my mind, but I think City, if they have like a couple of those big European nights and they get really rocking and get, get excited for the Champions League, I could definitely see them making the semi-finals at the very least. Cool, well, we'll cover that more, as I said, on a Champions League pod that we're going to do later in the week. Just time for one more Premier League game, though, and that is Everton 1 and West Ham 3. Not a result, Peter, that we saw coming, really. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, West Ham, you know, I thought, I saw Pellegrini uh, saying on, on Friday that he wasn't worried about, you know, th- their run of results. And when you consider in their next four games now, they have um, Chelsea, Spurs and Man United. I was thinking, well, Manuel, you, you, you know, whatever you're smoking, give me a bit of that because you you should be worried, mate. But, um, yeah, no, they got the results. Ar- Arna- Arna- I know Danny was saying Yarmolenko and he was excellent, but Arnautovic is, is a really... Um, is an excellent uh, lone striker. He really puts um, defences uh, under pressure um, with his physicality and with his skill as well. So um, I thought it was interesting that Jack Wilshere wasn't in the team um, <clears throat> because he, I, you know, I've said it before. I, I'm not doubting that Jack Wilshere is a talented footballer, but I like he's not a defensive midfielder and he's not an attacking midfielder. So what is he? Um, I, I don't think he. He was necessarily the, be- the best signing by them. Um, so, yeah, De- Declan Rice did well in the centre. They looked a lot... Uh, uh, well, I'd like to say they looked more solid defensively, defensively, but Everton were quite poor. But if they had had a decent finisher up there, they might have done a bit better. But, yeah, massive, massive win for, for West Ham now because they needed them three points on the board before this kind of really tough run of, of fixtures. And you never know, the West Ham, the fans will... You know, the London Stadium gets a bit of stick sometimes, but when Chelsea come to town, that place will be absolutely rocking. So, um, you, you never know. They might, they might even, you know, get a get a point or even get a get a win against um against Chelsea next. So, uh, yeah, massive win for Pellegrini. And it, it, if he can get through this period now, maybe just get another win or or a couple of points. I, mean, I think over time he he's proved himself in the past to be a good. A good coach. Um, whether he deserves to be one of the highest paid in the Premier League is, is questionable. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah. think they'll be okay. But I think it's really highlighted now as well, Marco Silva, because I was looking at stats today. He actually, since he came to the Premier League, he actually has he's kept less clean. He's a worse clean sheet percentage than Roberto Martinez. Wow. Um, I think we all, <laughs> we, yeah, I know exactly. That that's like gone really low, and then he's actually. I think we all, it was highlighted after the Huddersfield game how many goals that, that they concede, that his teams concede from corners. So he is a good coach, Marco Silva, but he obviously he's not very good at setting up teams uh, defensively. Uh, Peter, do yeah. you think we got a bit carried away with uh, Silva? I think must be brilliant. He's not, he's not fat Sam. He's young. He's articulate. And, and obviously people think, oh, this guy, what's he done? What's he done yeah, to deserve I, I, this? I think I've just always... Got whole relegated. After, yeah, did okay whole, with Watford. Um, after the whole, uh, you know, Paul Merson and Phil Thompson, you know, their kind of rant on, on Soccer Saturday, I've just always wanted him to do well. Um, but, yeah, like... It, so uh, he is a he is a talented co- a coach and, and whoever worked like I've seen other people say, that worked on him say a lot of good things about him. But it's just not based yeah. on much. Is all yeah, well, 
Well, I think, he, you know, he, he actually did well with Hull, even though they went down, because they looked completely hopeless, and he, at least he put up a fight with them. And then he, he started last season well with Watford, but there are a couple of things that are, a couple of worrying things, like his defensive record's been poor at all of them clubs, and his disciplinary record, they're not dirty teams, but like Watford had a terrible uh they had a rake ascending off whatever 10, 15 games there last season and they've had a couple sent off now again so um, yeah now listen I, I wouldn't be jumping to too many conclusions with them but I don't think uh, this might be the second season in a row where I think Everton fans might have got a bit carried away with where they actually are if you know what I mean um, if they give him time as well say look you're going to be here for a few years because they're, they're after getting into an awful lot of trouble for getting them the lawyers are in this week as well um, over the Watford move so I, I think that they wanted him that badly they'll have to back him and I, I think I think he's a good coach but um, he, he there's obviously things he'll, he'll have to improve on well, just the one win from five for Everton, but they are in 10th with uh, six points. So, uh, interesting. It'll be interesting to watch both of those sides as we go forward. Well, we're almost at the end of the show. Uh, we need to do another round of the quiz, though. Are you ready? Danny, you're out in front, right? It's 2-1, uh, I think. No, 2-0. 2-0, is it? No, Carl. 2-1. Carl got it on the cold. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Carl, I, yeah, we were partners last week. You weren't here for the end of it, so I don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so two points to Danny, one to Carl, and I've got uh, well, two boys on nil. I've got three or four more of these. Let's say four, okay, just to make it interesting. Just to remind everybody, the game is, I'm going to say the name of the year or the Premier League season, and you guys have to tell me who the top scorer was in that season. So uh, let's go for a recent one, 2013-14. Danny. Danny, I, I think that's the last year United won the league, and I'm going to say Robin van Persie. No, 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 no. no. Stephen. Stephen. Lewis Suarez. It was Lewis Suarez. Danny, what are you? What oh, happened Danny? to you? Oh, Norwich came second with twenty. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, twenty-one. Yeah, Jesus, Danny, you got to be getting that one. All right, uh, Steve's off the mark. Well done. Uh, right, let's go with the two thousand and two-three season. Peter. Peter. Stephen. Thierry Henry. No. Came second. Stephen. Stephen. Rude Van Nistelrooy. It was Rude Van Nistelrooy with 25 goals. Very, very good. Stephen's up on two now. He's level. Very, very good. All right. Jesus, he's it's all back, to play yeah. for. It's all to play for. Peter, you got to get your finger out. Okay, so... I'm just going to say Alan Shearer because eventually it has to land. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a not a bad ploy. Uh, right, let's go with the 97-98 season. Peter. 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 Alan Shearer. No. <laughs> uh, I can tell you the three Danny. three players Danny. share it. Danny. Danny. I, uh, I'm going to say. No, it wasn't him. Uh, I'm going to say Robbie Fowler is one of them. No, he isn't. Three players. Carl. Carl, who you got? Les Ferdinand. No. Peter. Peter. No, you're out, Peter. You're out, Peter. You're out, Peter. Dean Dean Holdsworth. No, it wasn't. Stephen, it's on you. Grant Holt. Three players scored 18 goals. Did you not get this earlier, no? You had this one earlier. No. You did? Uh, I'll go Teddy Sheringham. 
No, no, it wasn't. I did. I definitely didn't do it because one of the top scorers was Dion Dublin. <laughs> Who else? Dion Dublin, Michael Owen, and Chris Sutton all got eighteen goals in ninety-seven, ninety-eight. So there you go, with Dennis Burkham. I thought that was too early for Michael Owen. No, there you go. But sure, he yeah, scored in ninety-eight, ninety-eight World Cup. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, right then, ninety-six, ninety-seven. Danny. Peter. Danny. 96-97 it's Alan Shearer well done <laughs> alright that's four that's uh, that's uh, it well done Danny you got three points and you've won it with that one all the sweeter I imagine get the uh, Alan Shearer as well nice one well done Danny good uh, right then just time to do prick of the week Peter who you got um, yeah, I'm very focused on the on the Man United Watford game this week. But um, Troy Troy Deeney did an interview beforehand. Um, I don't know if any of you saw this. Now, I, I have no problem with footballers making a load of money. Fair play to them, no problem. It's sometimes they say things though, and you just think, yeah, that doesn't make us normal people feel very good. So what Troy Deeney said was, he said, yeah, I, I really like this new manager. Um, he's got a lot of discipline. So what he said was, if any player is a minute late for uh, training or for meetings, for every minute you're late, you get fined a hundred pound. Holy shit! <laughs> right? So like, can you imagine working Monday to Friday and then you're ten minutes late on Friday and then you've just worked a fucking week for free? Like, you know what I mean? it's like, what's the point? Like, yeah, no, that's just madness. Like, absolute madness. So who are you giving it to, Dini? I'm giving it to Deeney, yeah, just Deanie. for just for making making me feel like a poor pauper when I hear that. <laughs> Fair enough, Carl. Who have you got? Well, for me, I said it at the start of the show. There's only one guy it can go to, and any time a footballer spits at someone um, in the face, then they have to get it. Um, but to actually spit in someone's mouth, uh, Douglas <sighs> Costa for Juve. Um, if you watch the footage, he has had an absolute nightmare. Um, and somehow he manages to escape a red card through the game, but he spits in one of the uh, the opponent's mouth while he's actually about two yards away from him, if that. Um, so two yards? I mean, that's some shot. I mean, you got to give him that. Well, I tell you now, yeah. He, <laughs> he doesn't get the target <laughs> as well as that, but I'll tell you. He found a big lump of phlegm to be able to get that in. So, yeah, absolutely disgusting. So, got to be prick of the week for me. Uh, Danny, who have you got? I'm going to go for Chris Mullen. Uh Barnett, the, the bad Barnett. Centre-backs, real real, pet, real pet hate of mine. Centre-backs uh, with, with bad haircuts, you know, corn rolls and, and threads and all that sort of stuff. Uh, he looks fucking ridiculous. Although it's obviously made, it's, it's, it worked yeah. a treat, but making him look like he thinks he's a winger or something like that with the finish he got the other day. But just the state of him, he's... Uh, <laughs> Ash, Ashley he, Williams. Ashley Williams. He looks, like, he, he looks like Zanka off Cool Runnings, no? Yeah, he, he does a bit, yeah. Uh, no, it's poor. It's poor, Baroness. Uh, and just centre-backs, shave it all off. Grow a big beard, shave it all off. That's the way I want my centre backs to look. Like, yeah, Virgil uh, Van Dyke's a bit. Yeah, no? Virgil Van Dyke is shaft. He can do what he wants. Virgil Van Dyke is probably the best centre back in the world, so he can do and look as as good as he fucking wants. Chris Marlon, fucking clown, and he's really shy. Uh, Steve, who've you got? I suppose it has to be Roy Keane, doesn't it? Yeah, I was I, mean, I was uh, going to bring it up if nobody else yeah. did. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone by now knows the score, but just. 
I mean, essentially, if, if uh, anybody else did what Roy Keane did in a workplace, I mean, they'd be sacked immediately. So, I mean, I usually find uh, Roy Keane's carry on hilarious. I just, it just, he's just unintentionally funny. But, um, I mean, if anyone saw the extract from Peter Crouch's book about him pulling up uh, in his yeah. car next yeah. to Peter Crouch, I mean, just yeah. unbelievable. Just with a stare. He can change someone's mind on the car they drive. What happened to just... He lost twenty grand. Huh? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. The, the the story is that Crouch went out and for the first time ever decided to splash some cash on a on a really fancy motor, and uh, he's all pleased himself. He's got the roof down. He's blaring out some techno music and he stopped at a light, and then uh, Roy Keane pulls up beside him in the car and just gives him this look like, "Who the fuck do you think you are?" So uh, Crouch just went, oh, for fuck's sake, and he went off and sold the car and bought himself a normal one instead. <laughs> well, see, that, that, that is genuinely hilarious. But then, yeah. like, got running, you know, uh, barging into a, 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 you know, a, physics, a physio's room and, you know, calling a player a wanker and why aren't you training and you're always injured and all this is just, like, so out of line that... And coming from a player who spent a lot of time out injured and actually one of his big things in his book was saying how he probably should have taken better care of himself and taken himself out of games when he felt a niggle and stuff like that. It's a bit hypocritical as well, but... Uh, Just a tad. Yeah, that's Roy though, isn't it? But I, actually, I on the same note, my prick of the week this week isn't actually Roy. I'm going to go with... Ward, Stephen Ward's friend. Now, Peter, you and I know somebody who's friends with Stephen Ward. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, do, I, I did wonder if uh, if it was him who sent it, but uh, whoever it is uh, who leaked that WhatsApp uh, audio thing to the press, as much as we're happy that it did, and it's given us lots to talk about and a good laugh. Bit of a prick move, though, I have to say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right, that's it. Thanks so much for all uh, for listening. And uh, if you'd like to get involved in the show, you can always send us an email to podcast at thefootballfaithful.com. You can leave comments underneath as well and uh, ask any questions that you'd like us to cover in future pods. And if you really like it, you can go along to our Patreon page and support us for just two euros a month and you'll get an extra pod, at least one extra pod a month. We've uh, just did one, Peter, about strike partnerships, which uh, kind of fitted in with the sort of nostalgia theme there, Steve, going back through all the uh, famous striking pairs in the Premier League history and uh, well actually Peter just sort of descended into us just screaming the names of old football players that we remembered it was great fun yeah it was great crack yeah so there'll be more of those coming your way and uh, that'll just cost you two euros a month it'll help us keep the lights on and keep the show going anyway that's it from me thank you Peter cheers lads enjoyed that thanks Carl cheers guys thank you Danny thanks lads enjoyed that and thanks Steve we'll get you back again Thanks a million. Thanks for having me on. And uh, the name of the podcast again and where people can find it? Uh, Nostalgia Ultras. So if people just, I mean, if you Google Nostalgia Ultras, uh, a rap album will come up. So <laughs> just put in nostalgiaultras.com. Uh, so that that's the easiest way to get around that. But uh, we've actually got a, a podcast we're doing this week is on Giovanni Trapattoni. So oh, fantastic. Uh, if people want to check that out. Excellent. Looking forward to that one. Uh, and uh, like I said, we'll be back later this week with the Champions League podcast. We'll see you then. Thank you.